And on March 21st, on her 13th birthday, by golly, we were at the top of the Eiffel Tower watching the sunset over Paris as she ate a French macaron and made her dreams come true. Hello and welcome to the Divergent Woman podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of first-generation women entrepreneurs who have broken barriers and defied the odds. I'm your host, Melissa Minchala. Today on Divergent Women, we're talking with Sabin Hogue. Sabin is a lover of Jesus, her family, friends, and life in general. Sabin has had several businesses in the past, many she never thought would be a part of her story, and her current art business is the most shocking of them all. Hello, Sabin. How are you? Hello, Melissa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you and to talk to you because I really enjoyed talking to you about your story for so many reasons. One of them, of course, me being a, hmm, how can I say it? I am just not good with art. But I think you can sort of relate and you have something to say about this. And so I'm very excited about this because your journey is one that has just many surprises. And so I want to get started. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you did before you started your business and how that led you to become an entrepreneur. Well, I don't do art. Well, I should say I didn't do art. And I would struggle with things like hangman. And everyone who knows me knows I'm emphatically, not that I'm against art, but I just don't do it. And so I've always had um, home-based businesses. I had a skincare business. Um, I'm a homeschooling mom. I volunteer a lot. And I love to live life out loud. And one of the things for homeschooling for us is my kids love art. So I actually used to have someone come into my home and teach them art. And then I would go in the other room and balance my checkbook. So I didn't have to be near it. It would stress me out. And so my children asked me if this year, school year, they could incorporate art back into our curriculum. And I thought, can I just give someone a kidney? It'd be so much less painful for me. And I was really praying about it. And the Lord made it clear that if I was going to do homeschool, then I had to teach all the subjects and not just just the ones that made me comfortable. And so we just started watching some YouTube videos and lo and behold, I started painting. So you started painting. Were you sort of surprised at your ability or did you think, yeah, I knew I was not good at this? Oh yeah, no, it was so stressful. I It drove me nuts. And so, and then we did this one tutorial and it was supposed to be an octopus and mine looked actually like an octopus. And I, I was so shocked that it looked like an octopus and like it was Picasso, but all the arms were there and the colors. And I thought, wow, that actually looks like an octopus. And then my kids, my kids are really great. My kids are able to take the art lesson and go off road with it. And they just go rogue and do their own thing. And that would just stress me out, but I would keep my mouth shut and they came up with amazing things. And I'm still trying to figure out how to hold a paintbrush and what to do next. And lo and behold, things just started to morph from there. So you started to see that you could enjoy the art. How did you go from enjoying the art and then actually making it a business? Because that seems like a big leap. How did that happen? Um, well, yeah, it's very surreal. And I'm still trying to figure out like, who the heck am I that I'm doing this? We went to the beach in October of 2022. And I came home and I wanted to paint a conch shell. And so I looked up a YouTube video and I did it. 
And it was so funny too, Melissa, because she was saying things like, well, and you put pink here. And so I put pink there. And, but not that I had any concept of like, this is going to transpire into something. And it wasn't until the painting was done that I was able to sit back and think, holy cow, that's a conch shell. Like it actually looks like a conch shell. And then I was intrigued, like, well, now I see what she was talking about. I wonder what else I can paint. And so we do art on Mondays and Thursdays. And it turns out then that was the days, those were the days I was really looking forward to the most. And so I just started painting and I found it very therapeutic. And there was a creative side to me. I was a math major in college. And so like I can balance your checkbook to the penny. I love math. Um, I can cross stitch, but that's all math. I can quilt, but that's all math, right? It's all angles. So then one day I was just showing on social media, like, hey, my friends who know I don't do art, look at this. Isn't this funny? I'm starting to do art. And someone private messaged me and asked me if they could buy my art. And it was shocking to me because I thought, no, no, I don't sell art. I'm just doing art for the kids. And then I would post more and people wanted to buy that. And then I would post more and people were starting to buy that. Why don't you set up an Etsy store? And why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And so I started seriously painting November. And then now here we are in May and I have this art business that sells art and it just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. So that's incredible. So you went from it. This is the incredible part for me, you know, being someone who has, by the way, zero art skill, but a daughter who is going to a, well, she's going to LaGuardia High School, which is a renowned art school. And she's got talent. Where she got it from? I don't know. (laughs) But it's in the gene somewhere deep, deep inside that you went from someone who was convinced couldn't do art, tried it, was open to it, started doing it. And then someone found it so good that they offered to pay for it. Like real money. Yeah, like real money. (laughs) What? So now at this point, I mean, once there's a transaction, now you have a business. Have you had any people in your life who modeled running a business or or having a business or even that thing of, you know, being transactional? I make this, you pay me, I give you this. So my dad actually had his own law practice. And I hate to say this, he was a very good man, but he showed me exactly how not to run a business. And he was a great lawyer, but he was lousy with money. And so I learned a lot from him about earning the life that you want and not just living the life that you want and hoping your bank account will catch up. And so when I had a cooking business, I used to make um, homemade meals, still miss that business. I was such a shrewd shopper that I set up the business that people had to pre-order and that way I knew how much to go and buy, but I didn't have leftover um, food. So with the art business, as people started to request my art, I went to a friend who's an amazing artist. She's like a mentor mom to me. And she taught me how to price my art so that it takes my emotions out of it. And that I really needed help with. Oh, that's interesting because I do know artists who have a very, very hard time selling their art and end up undervaluing the yes. art, which I think is a very common thing among artists because art, it comes from 
the soul that it's almost hard to quantify in a way. And a lot, yeah. I find a lot of artists almost feel like they shouldn't ask for money or a certain amount of money. They feel bad about it. Yeah. It, it's very hard to do. And it's hard to put yourself out there. I think because art is so subjective and it is such a part of you. Like I know how I feel when I'm creating art, there's a part of my soul that's just alive and on fire. And so for me to say to someone, oh, it's this much, and they say no, you really have to separate. They're saying no to a price tag as opposed to that part of your soul. And that's hard to do. You have to be a business person separate from the artist. Right, right. I can imagine. It's interesting that you say that you've learned what not to do from your parents. And I think that's an interesting point because a lot of times uh, we do learn from our parents, not just what to do, but I think almost more importantly, we learn what not to do. So my dad decided to become a lawyer because he really wanted his father's approval. I think out of all the stories my father had told me over his lifetime, this is the one that stuck out to me most. So he decided to become an attorney because at graduation, he wanted his dad to look at him and say, son, I'm so proud of you. And so he did. He did that. And my grandfather gave him that response. And then my dad walked away thinking like, holy crap, now I got to go be a lawyer. Now, Like, what do I do? And he hated that profession his entire life. It sucked his soul dry. And then he went into family law. So he saw the underbelly of custody battles and divorces and I watched my dad just be destroyed by giving up what he really wanted to do, which I believe was he wanted to be a historian and an author to pursue someone else's dream or somebody else's idea of success. And I never wanted that. We do learn a lot from our parents. And it's great when they tell us these stories, because then it gives us a little bit more insight into who they were as people and why they made the choices they made and how we can make choices that are better for us. Okay. Now, at this point, when you just first started, are you homeschooling? Yeah. The only reason I was making art is because they wanted art in their curriculum. Otherwise, we would have done math. And it's funny how when you step out of your comfort zone, you just really have no idea the next comfort zone you will be stepping into. And I sit here before you now, um, six months later, and I can't imagine not having art in my life. Like, who am I? I don't even. Wow, yeah. that's, that's incredible. So it's like a real transformation. Total transformation. And I really like this part of me. And so I want my kids, as much as my dad told me that story about him and him losing himself, I want my kids to be able to say when I'm gone someday, you know, my mom, she, she had a skincare business and she cooked for people and she became this artist and, 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 and I want them to say like, she pursued who she was and she was faithful to the callings in her life to inspire them to then do the same and not pigeonhole themselves. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think, you know, our generation is set up so that we can do that for our kids going forward. Because when we were growing up, we were just told there was one path, right? It was right? Yeah. go to school, get a college degree, find a job, retire from that job, right. and right. then wait to die. I mean, that was right. basically the timeline, right? No, that was exactly it. Yeah. Right. You might get a watch at the end. <laughs> But now with the advent of technology and just 
because the way the economy has been for our generation, starting from the 90s, where we've had the bubble, the burst, the bubble, the burst, and now it's just been burst, 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 bust, bust, bust. Right. We've had to be much more inventive. We've needed much more ingenuity. And with the tools of the internet, technology, we can take advantage of that and really start making inroads for our kids to say, look at all these other options. And by the way, you can still get a degree, get a job, do that if you like, but here are all the other options available to you. And all of them require that you follow your joy, Amen. whatever that may be. Or right. don't go to college. Or don't go to college. Don't go to college. And no matter how old you are, right? Follow a passion. Even if you didn't know you had that passion, try it. So my oldest son, God bless him, is never going to be my interpretive dancer. He is very type A, like OSHA would love to hire this kid, right? And so he has his entire life planned out and he's 19. And so I'm hoping seeing his mom do different things and to change and morph and thrive. Like he's, I can, Melissa, he's watching me like a hawk. Like he came to my artist premiere and he kept saying, this is incredible, mom. I can't believe this is you. And I thought, plant those seeds, plant those seeds. Don't be stuck in such a rut, right? There's a whole life to live. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I've always told my kids, you know, you don't have to go to college, but you do have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. And by the way, that plan can change at any point as long as you're following something and being productive in some way. So you mentioned that you had a skincare line, you did cooking. Have you always had these small businesses or did you ever do the nine to five route? Oh, I did a nine to five and I was a pharmacy technician, best job ever. I loved it in a hospital. So I would make things like the chemotherapy and the IVs and all the feeding stuff. I absolutely loved that job. And then I became a indigent drug program coordinator. And so for people who would get $500 a month, every pharmaceutical company has these programs where you can get your medications for like pennies on the dollar. And I would help people sign up. The process is pretty laborious and I loved it. And then my husband and I tried to have kids and it took us five years to get pregnant. I should mention this before I ever had children. I was the like premier expert on parenting. I could have like sold books and gone on tours and like I knew my stuff until I had children. But before kids, I was amazing. So I just knew that even though I got pregnant finally, and it was such an amazing thing, I was going to go back to this job. And then of course I had my son and they laid him in my arms and I thought, oh, well, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to stay home. But I wanted to bring in an income so it wasn't completely on my husband. And so I had home-based businesses that just worked well for my schedule and I love people. So it was a win-win fit for me. So, you know, being a nine to fiver and owning a business are two completely different worlds. You know, in nine to five, you know what to expect, right? You go in, you do your job. Every two weeks, you get a paycheck. Not so with running a business. So what were some of the major challenges that you encountered that you weren't necessarily expecting when you did start a business? And how did you sort of like overcome them? I think the number one thing is you touched on it with the paycheck. I like consistency. It makes my type A little heart so happy. And with a home-based 
business or any business that you run yourself, it you've got the highs and lows. And that was hard for me in the beginning. I thought I need a motion sickness patch. It was like this up and down and up and down with income. And I felt like it was really hard for me because I felt like I wasn't consistently helping with the family. My husband's this amazing person. He's like, the world is a better place because he's in it. He's just an incredible human being. And he didn't put any of that pressure on me. And he just said, you know, whatever comes in, that sounds great. If nothing comes in, I've got this, don't worry about it. And so he really alleviated that pressure off of me. And then I just learned to do the, you know, the balance of averages and some weeks were going to be great and some weeks weren't and you live on a budget and it's really the live on the budget. And like I said, my dad taught me how not to overextend myself and to follow the path of the money and build it bit by bit. I mean, I've never taken out a business loan for any home business I've ever done. Even with my booking one, I remember I went to open a checking account and they asked me if I wanted a credit card and I said, no, thank you. And they said, you can't run a business without a credit card. I said, ah, watch. And I did. I did it on cash and I, they couldn't believe it, but I thought I am not going into debt. But again, thank you, dad, for teaching me that. So tell me a little bit more about this sort of like removing your emotions from the art. How difficult was that for you? And what's that process like? I'm sure a lot of artists would be very interested to know. Well, it is a process and I have not at all arrived and you really have to Botox your face and muzzle yourself. So just recently I was at my girlfriend's house and we were talking about this artist premiere that I had and her housekeeper was asking me about painting and she wanted me to paint a picture of her dog. And so she asked me how much, and I said, it's this amount of money. And she said, oh no, 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 no. I just want you to paint a picture of my dog. And I think the old me would have said, okay, well, how much would you want to pay? And I just smiled and I said, yes, if I paint your dog, this is how much it will be. And she said, well, I'm going to have to, and she started doing that song and dance. I don't know. And I'm going to have to think about it. And I said, that's great. You take your time. That's how much it will be. Just let me know. But inside, I thought I was going to throw up. And it was really a good lesson for me to, this is not unreasonable. This is a healthy boundary and your time and your talent is worth this. And just standing behind that. And so I left my girlfriends and I thought, oh, she's not going to do it. And within hours, she called and said, okay, paint my dog. I thought, what? But I think when you put value on your whatever product you're doing, whatever service you're doing, then you're training your customers to see that same value. If I had lowered my price, which was a decent price, then I cheapen my talent and my gift, right? So if I cheapen it, then how am I expecting anybody else to honor it? And to revere it to for what it really is. So yeah, it was great. I just still feel like like, like somebody Botox my face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with practice, you'll get better, I'm sure. And I've seen your art. I know it's worth it. So have you had any major setbacks or failures in your business that you may have felt like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to bounce back from this, but you did. And, and how did you do that? That's a great question. So Every home business I had before this had very little startup cost. Skincare businesses, it goes through the supplier. Even my uh, cooking, like I said, they had a pre-order so I could go get the food. I budget really well. But with the art, it was all money out forward. And we have a child in college. We have another child in another state. And so money is really tight. 
And for someone who wants to contribute to the family, I felt like I was actually putting us deeper in the hole. And there was many a times I would cry at night and almost be apologetic to my husband. And he kept saying, you've got this, just keep going, you know, walk it out. And I had to just keep having faith that he was going to be okay. Cause I kept thinking I would never have come up with this business on my own. So I knew this was bigger than me. And so when the artist premiere happened, it was incredibly successful. And so it was amazing feeling to walk that through, even with like palm sweating and knees knocking, like just keep going, right? Don't stop. Don't quit on yourself. Just keep going, finish it through. And it turned out incredible and was hugely successful. All right. So you started sort of painting these little things and you did an art show, which congratulations on. How has your business evolved over time? And what were some of the turning points or key milestones? My girlfriend has like a mentorship business. And one of the things she and I have talked about is anything that makes your knees knock and make you want to throw up, go do that. So anything that scares me to death, I'm going to go pursue that. And that's where the success lies is on the other side of that. And so one of the things I did is I went to my girlfriend who has a business and said, would you like to collaborate on um, personal or exclusive cards if I design them for you? And she was all over it. So as my name is getting bigger and bigger within this town, when she sends out cards now for her business that have my name on it, and someone says, well, where did you get those? She can say, oh, no, these are exclusive to my business. And there are some craft fairs in town. And I put my name out there and my stuff was accepted and I'll be doing those. And I have some businesses in town that I will, this one really makes me want to throw up, that I will be going to, to say, here's my art. Would you like to buy these wholesale and sell in your place a business? And I have to be okay knowing that I'm already at no. So even if they say no, at least I tried. And then I sleep well at night knowing I did that. I love how you say this is going to make me throw up, but I'm going to push through because it's through that pain that you grow, right? Through that discomfort that you grow. If you don't push past that discomfort, you know, there's an interesting thing. So I've been talking to a lot of women and a lot of women, you know, when you say it's going to make me throw up, that's what I want to do. And that is having that faith in yourself, right? This sort of blind faith. There's no logical reason, just like there was no logical reason why you would believe that you could do art. You've known yourself your right. entire life, right? You knew that you were incapable of doing art, no logical reason, but you did it. And then it came out good. And then you sort of pursued it and you followed and these doors opened, these doors opened for you because you were yeah. following this and you had faith in yourself and you're able to do these things that are so uncomfortable for you because of that faith that you have in yourself. And some of that is fortified by your husband. Right. So, you know, it's a lot of this is this internal faith. When you said, you know, you got to keep on going is that continued faith in yourself that I really do hear a lot from the women that I talk to who are pursuing their dreams and are finding their joy. I think there are many women who are so afraid to knock on that one door. And it turns out that was the door that was key to it all. 
and they walk away from it and just how heartbreaking that would be. And Melissa, like you said, I have such faith. Like you said, six months ago, I was struggling with Hangman. Now I have this art business. So I want to see where this goes. I want to find out at 54 years old, okay, where are we going with this, Lord? And what do you want me to do? And what do you want my kids to learn from this? I'm all in. And that's an exciting, scary place to be. And I want, you know, I want to see the end credits. I want to see the end of the movie and what's going to happen. Speaking about kids, when we first talked, you told me this really amazing story about your daughter. Can you tell about your daughter who we met? Bella. Yeah. Last time. She's how old is she? She just turned 13 in March. 13. And she's also a budding entrepreneur, isn't she? She is. She, so we were walking around the neighborhood. I can picture where we were. She had just turned 11 and she said out of the blue, mom, I would like to spend my 13th birthday in Paris. And so this is in 21. And I kind of chuckled because, you know, the world had lost its ever loving mind and who knows if we were going to open up again or any of that. And so I said, well, we'll have to see what happens. And it's expensive. And with our boys out of the home like this, there's not a lot of money. And she said, well, I think I'm, I'm going to see if I can earn my way there. So she started selling charcuterie boards and that girl worked her tail off for two years. I remember like Christmas Eve morning, we would have tables set up and it looked like a blackjack. We'd be dealing out all this food and we just had this whole system and 12, 14 trays at a time. She did weddings and it was insane. And she did not turn down any jobs and she worked. And on March 21st, on her 13th birthday, by golly, we were at the top of the Eiffel Tower watching the sunset over Paris as she ate a French macaron and made her dreams come true. And the crazy thing was she paid for the entire trip for both of us. Two people she took to Paris. I, we did not have any money to contribute to that. And she's so cute. She says, if I get enough money, I'm going to fly us first class. I said, okay, <laughs> sure. She says, but we might have to share a bed once we get there to save money. Nope. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> and so we didn't fly first class, but she did upgrade us. And we spent two amazing weeks strolling through Paris and learning about history and art. And we took a cooking class. And my daughter, I'll tell you this. Okay, ladies, when you're listening to this, my daughter at 13 was strolling through the city of Paris. And she said to me, you know, mom, if I could do this, really, there's nothing I can't do. And I stopped cold in my tracks and I turned to her and I said, that is 100% your takeaway. Don't ever forget that. That is incredible. And I love that she was, she was a little bitty. What was I doing at 11 years old? Barely riding a bike around the block. Like I was such a do nothing, you know? Wow. And she's catering weddings and she's hustling. She's out there marketing herself, making a name for herself. And she paid for two weeks in Paris and really earned herself a life lesson in yeah. what she is capable of and just filled, filled herself with the faith she will need in herself to do whatever she ever needs to do or wants to do in her life. And that is everything to do with the example that you set mom, because I mean, she watched you. She said, look at what my mom is doing. 
I'm going to take yeah. a little piece of this. I'm going to start selling like my mom sells and I'm going to start marketing and I'm going to start doing this and I'm going to start working. And she did it at 11 years old, 11 to 13 years old. Yeah. What an amazing little girl. What an amazing young woman. That's incredible. So I really look forward to seeing where she goes in the future and voting for her when she eventually runs for president. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> so so where do you see your business going in the future? You know, it's funny. I actually see it going big. And I don't know if I would have said this with as much confidence before my artist premiere, but I think this, because it's a business that was never in my wheelhouse, that this is a business outside of me. I think as big as I'm dreaming right now, it's not even going to scratch the surface. And I don't know if it's going to be, I write a book talking about how to believe in yourself while I'm doing art demonstrations. I don't know if it's going to morph into a merchandise line. I'm not sure, but I am so excited to see where it goes. And I think this is going to change the trajectory of our family's financial future for the better. I really do. Hey, listen, your daughter's already proved that, I mean, she can do anything, you can do anything. So it'll happen. It'll happen for sure. So looking back on your journey as a first-generation woman entrepreneur, what advice would you give to women who are thinking about starting or maybe have started and maybe feel stuck? What words would you have for them? For the people who are thinking about starting, stop thinking about it and do it. That's where the success is, is on the other side of doing. I remember getting up at four o'clock in the morning to run my home-based businesses so that when my children got up, I was full on mom for them. You want to end your life with as few should have, could have, would have. And I am begging you, I'm beseeching you ladies that do not be like my father and follow a path that was never designed for you because that will crush your soul. And be willing to have many paths. Again, I'm 54. And if you had told me six months ago, this was my path, I would have laughed loudly and be willing to try something. And then some paths in our lives are strictly for a season. So if that path takes you to a different path, it is not a failure to stop and to start different. That is maturity. That is success. That is passion. That is life giving. That is soul feeding. Go that path and do it. Try new things. Don't be afraid to fail, but be terrified to never start in the first place. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I say that this life is short, but it's also long. And mm -hmm. we have so many opportunities to just try so many things and take different paths and 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 keep following that that joy wherever it may lead us. That's how we're going to be the most productive in this world, how we're going to offer the most. When our cup is full, then we have more to give. And if our cup is empty and we're always lacking, we have nothing to give to others. So I completely agree with you. And we weren't designed to be lacking and empty. That's not how we were created to be. And I told my daughter this, and from the time she's 13 to 54, um, Melissa, you and I talked about this. She's going to meet a lot of different versions of herself. And for her to live a life to where she can like as many of those versions as possible and learn from each of those versions. And so 
again, ladies, step out of the comfort zone and just go do it. Just see what happens. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, right? You, you succeed. Who knows? And I keep hearing this quote also. There's no such thing as fail. There's only learn. You don't fail. You either right. succeed or you learn. And that's the truth. And even when you learn, it's a win because now you have another tool, another yes. something to build from and somewhere to go. My father also, he hated his job, like hated his job. And it's just makes for a very miserable existence. Yeah, the paycheck is steady, but- It comes at cost. It does come at a heavy price, right? Yep. And it's not worth it because this life is too short for that, but it's long enough for you to follow a different path. Yes, yes. Okay, so- Sabin, do you have any new products or offerings for our audience? Well, I have just created a Sabin Hogue art merchandise line. So I have journals and tumblers and coffee cups and notebooks, even an apron. So my mascot is this fabulous heifer with these red glasses. She's, I mean, it really is me if I was a heifer. I just love this cow. (laughs) With a logo, Dare to Be You. And that's something too, is that one thing I do better than anybody else is be Sabin Hoke. I, I really do that well. And because I stay in my lane, I can support you, Melissa, and everything you're doing. I can be your biggest cheerleader because I don't have to compete with you. I think you're going to do Melissa great, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a whole merchandise line reminding you that you are already more than enough. That's great. I love it. And it's on Etsy, you say? It's on Etsy. It's sabinhogart.etsy.com. Okay, so we're going to have this on the show notes for everyone. And I urge everyone to check it out because I did see the heifer and I think the heifer is so cute. And I might go on there and get me a heifer cup. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs a heifer cup. <laughs> it's so cute. Thank you so much, Sabin, for joining us today. I really enjoyed talking to you and loved hearing about your spunky little daughter and you following your absolute joy and the many paths it has taken you. And I look forward to seeing you succeed in this path and and watching the end credits and seeing where it goes from there. Thank you for joining us on Divergent Women. Melissa, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Divergent Women. We hope you find inspiration, motivation, and a renewed sense of empowerment as we explore the incredible journeys of our guests. These remarkable first-generation women entrepreneurs show us what it means to break the mold, defy expectations, and create businesses that make a lasting impact. We invite you to continue on this journey with us as we bring you more captivating stories of resilience, determination, and triumph. Stay tuned for future episodes where we delve deeper into the challenges and triumphs faced by women in entrepreneurship, providing valuable insights, practical advice, and a supportive community. Remember, you're not alone on this path. Divergent Women is here to celebrate your uniqueness, embrace your ambitions, and empower you to navigate the entrepreneurial world with confidence and race. Together, we can rewrite the narrative, shatter glass ceilings, and inspire a new generation of trailblazing women. Make sure to subscribe to Divergent Women on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. 
And if you enjoyed today's show, we would greatly appreciate your support by leaving us a review and sharing this podcast with fellow entrepreneurs and aspiring business owners. Until next time, keep embracing your uniqueness, chasing your dreams, and making waves in the world. This is Melissa Minchala signing off from Divergent Women. Stay fierce, stay fearless, and keep breaking those barriers.